Hello, it's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. I continue to support the creative community through this crisis with all sessions now on video and phone calls. For details, please check threadup.co.uk. You can also find details of free check-ins I offer on my Twitter at threadup underscore and on Instagram and Facebook at threadup. Please share this. Somebody out there might need it. Stay safe and let's get through it together. Welcome to Psychomedy Daily Dose, the spin-off series of short episodes of Psychomedy. Before we go back to the normal weekly episodes in August, I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And three times a week, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, I'm going to be speaking with a different comedian. You can go to threadup.co.uk for our counselling professional partners. They're there to support you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. For as little as £5 a month, you get access to loads of bonus content, including the longer uncut version of this very episode, exclusive video and audio, plus free tickets to future live shows, psychomedy.co.uk for all the links. Your donations really help us out to keep this podcast going. Enjoy the show. Yeah. Yes, joining me on Psychomedy again, it's Murray Lachlan Young. Murray, hello. Hi. 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 Rejoining me after it's been two months. Doesn't time no. fly? Doesn't time fly when you're locked down? It's been Amazing. two months. And you said, I was listening back on that conversation, a few other things you said. You said, there at some point people will think fuck it i'm going out and that that weekend is pretty much upon us isn't it <laughs> i i saw on twitter today that there was somebody was complaining about a huge party in in west london last night and the police showed up and then they went away again <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. you know and it's it's very difficult because a lot of people are very very sensitive about it you know and um yeah and people aren't and I think that's the thing, isn't it? There are those people who believe seriously that, you know, this whole thing is going on. Yeah. And, uh, and there are other people who don't believe it. So, yeah. and it's these two camps are sort of, you know, the people, the conspiracy, like it's all a load of rubbish and the, the Western economy has been deliberately tanked by a group of shadowy bankers. And, um, uh, and, um, and then there's those people who believe that um, the streets are full of bodies. Yeah, yeah, there, there was me two months ago being optimistic, but I think we've never been more divided. <laughs> they just, we've found another issue to be divided upon, you know. Well, this is the interesting thing as well, isn't it? Because you've got, you know, you had that Brexit thing where yeah. there's Brexity people and then there's, then there's, <laughs> and there's sensible people. Which was um, in and out all again. People, all it's people who voted for Brexit are monsters, fascists and racists, and all people who didn't are really nice, sensible, ordinary people with, who, who, who have common sense. And now we're into um, people who believe that coronavirus is actually real and that um, all of the statistics that we're being told are absolutely truthful. And then those people who believe that they're not truthful. And are the people who believe that they're not truthful Brexiteers? (laughs) (laughs) Or is it the other way around? Or is there a... I mean, this is is a really interesting... So this whole concept of the binary that we're being thrown into at the moment is that you can't just say, well, you know, I I don't really mind that. Actually, you can't say that anymore. (laughs) No, I absolutely believe that. I absolutely know. Oh, you're one of those people, are you? You're a a COVID-19 denier. I thought you would. Well, actually, I'm defriending you and I'm never going to speak to you again. I bet you voted Brexit. And (laughs) 
you can't just be cool with stuff anymore. You've got to be in this, you're forced into these binary choices. And um, yeah, and Brexit's coming back. We're going to be starting talking about that more and more now. On the beaches, on the packed beaches. Um, <laughs> animals, <laughs> animals. <laughs> yeah. Animals, even though I'm on the beach with you, you're all animals. Well, yeah? Exactly. And the thing is, it's, um, I, was, I was cycling along the road the other day and I turned right. And this other cyclist went past me and shouted, why don't you signal? And I was like, oh. And then he went a little bit further on and shouted, cunt. <laughs> like, oh, come on. You know, and, and he was really angry, you know, really angry yeah. with me for not signaling. I did wrong. Yeah, I did wrong, but it didn't make me a bad person. And I thought, yeah. actually, it's not the fact that I didn't signal. It's the fact that he's an extremely angry person. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are coming out of, yeah, this period, angry. I've, I've, I've noticed are, it. Are wrong, so he can express his anger to me. <laughs> yeah. um, so how are you coming out of this period? Are you angry or are you still chilled? You were quite positive two months ago. How have you been? I think after we last spoke, I mean, I've, I've remained really creative and, 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 and productive um, and mm. doing loads of stuff. And, and my, uh, my thing with... Um, Paul Hartnell from Orbital. That's yes. we did fourteen, to that. was, 14 yeah. tracks in the end, which is good. Yeah. But great. on a personal level, um, I've been a little bit up and down. Um, mm. I started evangelizing to friends, saying, "Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening." And I just, I nearly made, I made myself ill doing it. And and then I, I actually called every single person that I'd sort of you know chewed their ear off and just apologized and said, "Look, it's not my, it's not, it's not for, including my children." I said, I said, it's not for me to be telling you what's going on, you know, and, and I, I'm really sorry for doing that. And, you know, and try and find the humor in the whole thing and the humanity, because I think that's the, that's been the sort of the thing that everybody's been responding to and not the sort of sugary shit that, you know, companies are pushing out, you know, we really love you and we really understand you, but can we, can we carry on our consumer client relationship? And yeah. you are stupid, really, but we're going to pretend. But we really love you that you're stupid. Yeah. I heard the uh, Airbnb guy who's just sacked half of his people. He sent a message saying he loves them, <laughs> <laughs> even, though, even though he sacked them. <laughs> yeah. the, the BA didn't bother with that, did they? They just said, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, absolutely fuck you. Because we've been trying to fuck you for the last, we've been trying to say fuck you for the last um, last four months, but we haven't been getting away with it. And now because of this, we're saying fuck you, fuck off. And, um, and but you can come back if, you work for a quarter of your pay and do twice the work. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Airbnb says we're all on a journey. He, he describes it as a mission. <laughs> our, our mission of, of helping people travel, you know, it's been, and you won't be forgotten. And this, this uh, website, um, you know, this, this rapacious uh, um, business model will uh, serve as a memento and a memorial to your services. And, um, and I, and, and, and I really love you. <laughs> As she says, I love you, isn't it? I really, I yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so um, up and down, I guess that sums up a lot of people's experience, certainly, certainly mine. So how did, how did you do anything in particular to get yourself out of that down moment? Was there a switch or did you come I out of it manic, gradually? Really. I think I became manic rather mm. than down. Yeah. How did you pull, you, pull yourself away well, from I, that? I started meditating. Okay. I'd stopped 
as well i'd stopped meditating so i started meditating 20 minutes a day and and, yeah, and, um, can, and then started walking tried to get out of the house more uh, um tried to um a really good one is uh doing a sort of mental or physical list of gratitude absolutely yeah. things that you're grateful for you know absolutely. family friends you know the place you live the, you know the the life you have etc all of that stuff so i started actually just trying to get conscious because i think the whole the whole thing about this is there's so much information and there's so many versions of the truth out there happening that to just actually say like who am i where am i sitting what's going on mm. you know a bit of mindfulness really i suppose has been the the answer to try and and i, and I try and go back to that so but as you say as you say gratitude it's been very up and down for me but the, yeah <coughs> gratitude is the one thing i always come back to is like what have i got very quickly you can get yourself out of low points what have i got and it's a lot it's always a lot how whatever situation you're in well in most situations you've got something you've got something to be grateful for and then you can feel a little bit better about uh, your situation yeah. so, tell you what we haven't got this weekend which is one of the other reasons i wanted to talk to you again is glastonbury which is going to be this weekend i know you're a huge uh, lover of glastonbury i saw a little youtube clip of you a couple of days ago lamenting the lack of glastonbury this weekend are you missing it hugely I am. I, I wrote a piece for Six Music and I shed a tear when I, I was recording it and I shed a tear at the end of it. I was felt I felt really emotional about the whole thing. And the thing is for Glastonbury, um, for me, I mean, I, I've really hate it as well. You know, I've, I've spent years of misery at Glastonbury, you know, because it has this effect on people. And if you're not, if your shit isn't together when you go to Glastonbury, then shit, shit happens to you. You know, things go down. And so I clearly haven't had my shit together for most of my life because uh, every time I've been to Glastonbury, I mean, you know, I have had astonishing and bizarre things happen to me. I mean, I've, I've played the main stage, hmm. come off the main stage and someone's held up the front page of the Daily Telegraph and I'm on it. Hmm. And I've taken acid and, you know, had really very bizarre experiences. I've, uh, I've been in a field where someone died in a tent you know, a couple of down from me. I've, uh, you know, just I've had two, three relationships go down. Like my last, I was thinking, I met someone yesterday, an old friend of mine, I know four years ago at Glastonbury. My second marriage effectively ended in the TP field with, with a piece of canvas catching on fire, and I was like. Oh, and looking back on it, the most symbolic thing, my, my, my tent, my tent caught on fire. And I was like, wow, there you go. That's, you know, more, more karma for me from Glastonbury. Thank you very much. Um, oh, and, uh, and I've had stuff with my kids there and, and I've, I've worn most, run myself ragged. And, and then over the last two years, I've just said, no, enough. I've finally recognized that I just have to take things really slowly. Yeah, and I can get really, I'm, I'm energetically very sensitive, which is good as a performer. Yeah, um, but has, it, has the know. good has the good outweighed the bad? I mean, a lot of that history sounds like bad history. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, this uh, is the thing. I mean, I, I've I've I never I've never given up on it. I don't know why. I just yeah. feel that I've got to go there, and I don't. And I've and, and I've really, you know, not enjoyed a lot of the time I've been at Glastonbury. Yeah. Um, but I think for some reason or other, I've, it's, it's marked my life, you know? Yeah. So my life has been a real roller coaster, and, and I've had 
some real up times and real down times there and but mm. it's so much so many pivotal moments have happened yeah. from Glastonbury um yeah. and and now I've kind of like okay well I don't run around I don't rush about I don't you know go and get absolutely trashed and then feel awful a week yeah. later I just have learned to treat myself a little bit better and as a result of that and, and, and actually recognizing I'm not one of these people who can do all that stuff. I mean, there's those people who can go for five days on no sleep and all of that sort of stuff and say they had the best time in their life, whereas I just can't do it, you know? So I've, I've finally worked that one out and, yeah. and that's okay. So been enjoying it as a result and doing better gigs. Yeah, nice, nice. You mentioned the main stage, what was that, 97 with a million pounds contract and the Daily Telegraph, was that no, late 90s anyway? Uh, do you look back at that particular year very fondly because i've heard you talk about that in other interviews about you know coming off being given that um being given that front page in the telegraph and suddenly realizing you weren't in control of the story was that though a hugely enjoyable experience to look back on or do you look back at that differently now no it was just terrifying mm. and it was something slightly exhilarating about it um yeah. i was i think i was so caught up with myself at that time Mm. I didn't actually have the space to really recognize what was going on. Mm. I was in my twenties, you know, and everything's kind of like there in your twenties. And, uh, and I was, you know, I had, you know, this kind of thing that, that I think a lot of people do and you get, you know, that sort of stage in, in a career where you are going to do it and no one's going to stop you. And I was kind of in that sort of frame of mind and, you know, mm. surrounded by a lot of um, infrastructure of people that were, telling me I was amazing and you know so it wasn't particularly healthy I don't think any of it but equally I was talking about it the other day and I think it was this beginning of a very long brutal lesson in in how to um kind of conduct myself better I think really you know mm. just to recognize what it is that I want and what the purpose of what I'm doing is and it's not to be um so I wanted to be somebody and that was what everything was based around. I wanted to be recognized as being somebody really important and really fucking cool and la, 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 la. Even though, you know, I, I was actually, you know, very good at what I was doing and I really enjoyed it and I had great fun on stage, but underpinning that was a very, very hardcore desire to be recognized yeah. as yeah. an important person. And that was clearly something that has to be fed back to, what had to be fed back to me over the years in various different forms until I finally got the fact that it's not about being somebody, it's about expressing yourself. Mm. Was that feeling there since childhood? Wanting um, to be someone and wanting to make your mark in that way? Well, I love performing, mm. you know. I mean, I've, I've always loved performing and I've always loved getting on stage and I love the interaction with an audience. And I think it's just, a, it's just such a joyful experience. And, and to, to be in a room where it's cooking and the audience are into it and you're into it, it's, it's you know, <laughs> anybody who does what we do knows that that's what we do it for mm. that fantastic feeling you know it's why the the guys in the winged suits jump off um off mountains <laughs> you know and, and people do those things because you get this feeling that you when it's right you are in absolute harmony with everything mm. and and that's what i think all stand-up performers 
go for. They, they just that moment where you're almost having an out of body experience and you're standing there and the audience are going, woof, woof, you're, you're, you're vibrating together with the audience. And so I think that is, that's, that's the, that's the really cool stuff. I suppose there's the impetus for doing the performing beyond the actual wow on stage there's the why somebody wants to get up on stage and why somebody wants to uh, stand there in front of a group of people and why they need that affirmation of themselves and why they need that approval from other people and so for me i had to work through all that mm. over the course of two marriages and um you know two children and various different uh, you know places to live and and etc etc yeah. i mean that whole story is just remarkable i know you've talked about it before but uh the the thing that really gets me as a performer is more than anyone i can think of coming from that high of playing that main stage in glastonbury in the front page and the million pound contracts and then the criticism that you receive from various parties the particularly harsh criticism you received from one or two places just because you were the kid i mean you were so young i mean having kids myself now it was you, you were 25 oh my god my, my, my son's gonna be that age exactly. probably very soon i know he's only 12 now but he's he's gonna you know you're a kid really at um, early 20s and to get that criticism from those older hands just oh how, my god how horrible how horrible i was looking at the thing on performance poetry the other day and the lem sisse was saying i ruined performance poetry and you know it's like come on man it's like, I'm, I'm over 50. You know, this was 20 years ago. I was a kid, I was yeah. doing what I was doing. I was, I was giving it a shot, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do we really have to take it so seriously? It wasn't, it wasn't serious. None of it's serious. Nothing's serious. Yeah. Really. Look, at the, you look at the 1960s and you've got, you know, you've got these, these, these young men in the, you know, the, the, the 25 sort of talking about, you know, um, spiritual awakening and, and and they're, they're not even, you know, they're just tiptoeing up to the concept of a spiritual awakening. But yeah. the world's taking them seriously. They're taking them seriously. And then the 60s crashes and, and everyone's like, well, really disillusioned. It's like, because it wasn't about that. It's, you know, everyone's taking themselves too seriously and thinking they're a prophet when they're not. Yeah. I was, I was someone who put on a suit and, and, and had, you know, and, and did crazy stuff, you know, and had a, had a bit of a laugh. But yeah, I mean, there was... And I have also had to let go of that. Yeah, yeah. I've had to let go of the people who, who I meet from time to time and um, were said things about me which were really, really um, cruel and did it relentlessly and published it. Yeah. You know, people who should know better. And, um, but then they did that a long time ago. And the thing is, as far as where I'm concerned is that um, I don't, you know, I don't blame anybody personally about that because it was about the energy of what was going on and everybody was in it together. I now really try and, you know, check myself in at that moment when I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, well, he's a bit of a wanker. And it's like, mm. no, no, I don't know him. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's probably, you know, he's put, this is a, this is a public persona. This person is, is working. This stuff is come from his publicist her publicist yeah which is probably backed by a publisher or a, a company a management company or this or that they've written this thing you've got to have an angle if you want to make it in the above the parapet media you've got to be the ex-athlete 
um, now celebrity hairdresser or this, you know, the scary snake guy who does charity runs for La La La, the, the chef who loves karaoke. You've got to have a, you've got to put two things together, like a clunk, clunk. And so everyone goes, oh yeah, that's the, uh, that's the bloke on, that's the chef who's a bit classy and wears the bow tie, but's a piss artist. <laughs> or you've got to do that. Um, so people go, yes. Um, because you can't be subtle. Television isn't a subtle medium. And it, it works like that way in comedy, I guess, doesn't it? You, yeah, you've got, to be, you've got to be a particular, even a particular item of clothing. It's like, uh, yeah. I, won't, I won't mention it uh, because they'll know who it is, but yeah, someone was in a green room and someone was wearing the same item of clothing that this person is kind of associated with. And he said, can you take that off, please? I'm the whatever this garment guy <laughs> the, other, the other comedian was like what you're not that guy are you he says no i'm i'm particularly associated with this type of clothing can you wow. maybe wear something else on? <laughs> that's, that's so serious isn't it <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. like that's like you know that's like <laughs> that's when comedy does an impersonation of itself backstage <laughs> right well as we're all missing glastonbury i would love you to do a poem to to end on i mean uh you know, this is not going to recreate the rush of the main stage, probably. Do you still remember that, um, you know, all the rushes, all the, the feelings in your body and mind? Has that changed over the years, you know, since those late 90s? And, well, um, Glastonbury itself was just weird doing the main stage because I think I was third on and there was, mm. you know, and everyone was, there was a very small crowd at the front. But mm. there's a massive load of people parked up intense yeah. in front of the main stage and apparently they were all listening <laughs> inside <laughs> their tents um but the the one i the big one i did was um which was had that proper sort of um like gargantuan or i did a couple but the biggest one was tea in the park when it was in glasgow in about 1995 i think and mm. i was uh i'd gone after every single act on the main stage and um, I was standing backstage with Robbie Williams, who was wearing a, a yellow suit. And there was, um, I think, Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue went on together. And I had to go on. My first gig was before Black Grape. And I didn't even know, I didn't even know that the Happy Mondays had broken up, you know, and that they'd become this band called Black Grape. And um, I went on stage all dressed in white, and I said to, in front of the Black Grape audience, good afternoon, Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I became aware of this chanting starting. I looked down and I saw them, and it was a boiling hot day, and I can only, I was reminded of the, I mean, it hadn't, the film hadn't been made yet, but what, lord of the rings produced in the war orcs that's what i saw in front of me an army of war orcs. <laughs> terrifying looking people who had clearly made choices around chemical usage <laughs> at least 10 years before that and had been you know and had been unrepentant in their behavior over that time and they spotted me as i spotted them and they didn't like what they saw at all and and I was like, ah, fuck. And, 
you know, every every performer knows, every every stand-up performer knows when when they're not coming across and when the audience is actually like, this is never going to happen. And we've all been there and it's a deeply, deeply uncomfortable experience. Yeah. And what a seasoned performer does is pulls their metal out and they go, right, I'm fucking going for this. I'm going to slow mm -hmm. down. I'm going to concentrate. I'm going to be present. I'm going to connect with the people in the audience who are into what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to build it out from there. And I'm going to get through this gig and I'm going to go off stage with my head held up high. And that's what I'm fucking doing today. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, <laughs> I was 24 or something and hadn't had that hadn't, hadn't learned any of that at all. So I was like on stage and, the, and, and I was like, a rabbit, a rabbit in the headlights. And, yeah. and then I heard them and it was like, um, it sounded like, <laughs> and then I realized there were words attached to the noise and the words were wanker, 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 wanker. And there were probably 10,000 of them. This was a 30,000 arena and it was filling up. And so 10,000 people chanting wanker at me. And, and I buckled and it obviously had a physical manifestation. Maybe I staggered backwards or something like that. And they saw it happen. Then they all, 10,000 of them went, ah, <laughs> as I went, as I went over. And I, and I walked on stage and, and my management team, came up to me and they surrounded me and were going, you're so, you're really talented, you're really talented, you're really talented. And, and I just remember wanting to phone my mum. And, and then a group of Glaswegian backstage crew chanted wanker slowly <laughs> as I walked past them. Oh God. And I stood there and I was like, whoa. And um, then I went back to the Glasgow and I was like, I can't, you know, and they said, I said, I'm going home. And management said, you can't go home. You're contracted to do every gig after every band for today. And if you don't do it, then they'll sue us. They've already paid you. I was like, fuck. So I went, I just thought, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I can't go back on. So anyway, I went back to these Glasgow guys, this backstage crew and just said, look, what, what, what did I do wrong? You know, I just didn't know. Mm. And they said, you know, this is a people's town. You went in like that when you've got to come in like that. <laughs> I said, but what does that mean? <laughs> and they said, you've got to kill the fucking lead wolf at the front. You've got to have a go at someone. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to go out there. You've got to own the fucking stage. And I was like, how do I do that? <laughs> and they were like, well, and then they taught me how to speak with a Glaswegian accent. And, and so I went back out on stage and I had five mineral water bottles under my arm. And I knew it was a boiling hot day and I knew that they were dehydrating at the front. And I just stood there and held a bottle of mineral water up to the crowd. And they were all like, ah, you're fucking right, whatever. And then they saw the bottle and they were like, seals at feeding time at the zoo and they just they just couldn't take their eyes off it and then i and i and then i threw one in and then i held up another one and i threw that in and then they started cheering every time i threw a <laughs> bottle in and then um and then i spoke to them in the glaswegian accent and said you know um and then um 
and then I said now we're all going to do some poetry because I know you love poetry <laughs> and the words of this poem are really simple and they are who's the wanker who's the wanker who's the wanker in the white now can we all do this together and we started that and then the whole crowd started singing it and then as a sort of stroke of magic the whole of the backstage tattooed muscle Glasgow roadies all came on stage behind me and formed a a male voice choir and sang who are the wankers in the crowd and it turned into this amazing celebration about 30,000 people there by this point everybody absolutely loving it and um, then I went back off stage and this guy came up to me and he said that was amazing I managed the prodigy would you like to introduce the band tonight on stage so then later on I walked out on stage in front of the prodigy and I was like you know, go fucking mental for a prodigy! And the whole crowd just went woof, and I got run over by this massive plastic ball with the bloke inside it as it went storm, you know, it went out over onto the crowd. And it went all the way around the crowd, and it was just like, that is um, transformation. Yeah. You know, how, how to transform, and, and, and that is the interesting thing about it. And again, which I think translates back to where we are now with this thing is when your back is hardest against the wall, that is when growth occurs. That's when you really have to find something inside yourself to, um, to be able to cope with the situation. So I think there's going to be from all of this, there's going to be a massive flowering of creativity. Yeah. That is my prediction because everyone's got their back against the wall at the moment. Yeah. Well, man, what, what an incredible story. What an incredible story. And that must be such a, yeah, such a well to draw upon. If you've done that, I don't think you, you must be in a fairly unique position to have done that because for a performer to keep coming back on, that's rare in itself. Once you've done yeah. your thing, usually you're off unless you're like an MC of the night, but to have that level of hatred turned into that level of, adoration that must be wow incredible and as i say what a well to do times and 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 it's it was all it was was really it was i mean it was working with the energy but it was yeah it was taking off one ego and putting on another yeah yeah and just a huge sign that however low something can be it can actually flip oh my god in an instant yeah but the only thing that the only prison is is one's belief yeah prison is there so it's standing in the prison holding the doors firmly shut shouting i can't get out i'm locked in and that's that's you know that's that's kind of i almost had to relearn all that anyway afterwards but you know i was i was still deeply traumatized by the experience (laughs) despite how well it had gone i still next time i went to glasgow i was still like fucking hell i mean you know what am i going to do what if it all happens again and uh, and, and that was with julian cope yeah next time i was in glasgow right glass main stage after that must have been a must have been a breeze so uh, yes we can't recreate any of those experiences potentially unless i start shouting wanker during this poem but um, happy, which, which I'm happy to do <laughs> but yes if, if, yeah, yeah just signal murray signal for god's sake um yes if you wouldn't mind ending today on a poem as well that would be that would be amazing yeah well this one i think um th- this is the 
thing is I've been doing this thing called the virus diaries with Paul Hartnell from orbital. And I've been giving him lyrics in spoken word form and he's been sticking music to them. And I think we're going to release them at some point or other. And, um, and so that, so it's kind of, I don't know what it's poetry is, is lyric. This is a lyric, Um, but it really, it, um, it's about kind of, where I've been and I think it, it uh, where a lot of people have been and it's called I've been a little bit up and down I've been a little bit up and down I've been a little bit up and down a bit ooh, bit ah, a bit near a bit far this have been a little bit up and down I was quietly doing my thing for the covid bell went ding 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 and the shops and the pubs and the schools and the clubs and the streets and the roads where the rubber dub dub suddenly came to an end and distinctly between now and then I've been a little bit up and down I've been a little bit up and down a bit um pa pa a bit tra la 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 yes I've been a little bit up and down and there are times I haven't been at my best a bit one flew over the cuckoo's nest and I wouldn't say I was losing the plot just struggling to tell the wire from the what and the force from the true and the me from the view and eventually just what we're all going to do and i've been a little bit up and down i've been a little bit up and down a bit this bit that bit rat tat tat yes i've been a little bit up and down but then i pull back the focus from all the hocus pocus and i look out at the star-filled sky and let go of the what and why surrender to the here and now let mother nature take a bow beneath the twisting milky way and understand that it's okay it's okay it's okay that i've been a little bit up and down i've been a little bit up and down a bit a bit ah, bit near a bit far yes i've been a little bit up and down Thank you so much, man. It's uh, incredible. Really incredible. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're mesmerizing. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. It's uh, two months ago. You were so inspiring two months ago, how creative you were being, where a, a lot of people around you, a lot of creators I was talking to weren't being, they were really suffering. And my goodness, you've been, yeah, so inspiring and creative. <laughs> Just, as I say, mesmerizing today. Thank you so much for, for rejoining me on Psychomedy. Thanks a lot for having me. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I think it's, 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 it sounds uh, like a really interesting journey you've been on as well with um, meeting so many uh, um, different voices within um, stand up world. And uh, I, I must, you must have an amazing kind of cross section of all the views. You it's should be incredible. the person that people go to. So, what's <laughs> happening in the stand up community at the moment? Yeah, I know, I know. It's I've talked to yeah seventy, I guess seventy comedians. Um, I was talking to them daily at the start, and now we're doing Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturdays, and we're stopping. Uh, so these are the this is one of the run last. out of comedians. Have <laughs> yeah, 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 we're stopping next week, um, and now we're reverting back to the weekly kind of normal format as people are. Yes, it's been yeah. It's it it's been incredible. Um, so many different so many different stories and. I don't, I, there's, there's very little that unites the stories. Very, very different stories. Really? Um, and, you know, your story is different again today. You know, I think everyone has a pretty, pretty unique story about how they've, how they've coped these last three months. And, um, yeah, and as I say. The, do you get the impression that people are coping? Um, yeah. Yes, but it's 
I think the journey for performers is almost starting now. It's been three months where we've been thinking, okay, after three months, we're going to be getting back to work of some kind. Mm. And really, when a lot of us aren't, no. and it's still looking pessimistic. I mean, theatre and comedy, I think they've just released something that there's a five step process. But as soon as something else hits towards the end of the year, or if another one of these, God forbid, happens next year, then it really does kill the industry that we know, certainly for a few years. And I think yeah. what we were talking about a couple of months ago with you as to future proofing your career and doing different things and doing things online is absolutely what we're all coming to terms with now that this isn't maybe a temporary thing. This is the future of our business that it is now different. And it's, uh, we're having to come to terms with that. I think parks, I was, I was on Primrose Hill the other day and all these people just standing yeah. there, sitting there, it was a festival with no acts. And this bloke turned up with a boombox, started playing outrageous, I don't know what it was, but it was, it was sort of, you know, kind of Euro disco. Mm. And people kind of like, you know, I don't think anybody particularly wanted to listen to it, but it was just nice that it was, it was nice that there was some beats going on. It was like a far away tent at a festival or something, if you got far enough away from it. And then another one yeah. started up down there. And I just thought, for a stand-up performer, you know, because this is, because, I think there's, I did a street performance um, festival a few years ago when I got there and it was just like, I didn't know what to do. And same thing happened. I, I had to learn how you stop people on the street and how you, um, how you actually create an audience. And then you, you watch these street performers and they do it in a very, there's a very specific way of doing it. And they, mm. they, they all have a variation on it. Mm. And they start doing, and I think, stand-up performers need to get on the street in I'm parks and they need to learn that little bit of all it is it's a tiny bit of extra stuff that you go excuse me this is my performance area can you move back please oh excuse me yeah. you just walked straight across my stage and all of that sort of thing can i have a big round of applause please <laughs> from you and they you know all of that stuff that those people do on the street and they're brilliant at it yeah um i reckon comedians in parks I'm doing something. I'm doing something in a couple of weeks in Buxton Park uh, as part of the Buxton Fringe. I think I'm the right. only I'm the only live comedy performer at the moment uh, doing something. I'm doing something to five people because the maximum is a group of six, ridiculously. Um, <laughs> even though there's a million on the beach. So the official group is six. So I think we've sold out already. Have I've you? Sold, I've sold out Buxton. Um, I hope you um, <laughs> <laughs> you could do a whole routine on the fact that you're playing to a sellout audience of five. Yeah. <laughs> this is my this is my Glastonbury baby. Um, oh <laughs> so oh, yeah, but it's a thrill. It's a thrill to be doing it. I'll be wandering around the park, and uh, yeah, it's the future. Um, Murray, I'm thank you. Now, actually, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me again and um yeah i um lots of love to you can't wait to see uh, too, anything that you do next um anything you particularly want to point people towards oh yeah well there's there's the single that i've been doing with um paul hartnell and it's called i'm going shopping i've heard that it's so great it's been playing a bit on the radio so if the video the video is great as well it's all uh, it's all so great and look out for a really serious fabulous album coming out called um, the Edge of Reason, and that's with a band called Blabbermouth, which is um, Lou Edmonds from Public Image Limited and The Damned, and uh, a guy called Mark Roberts, who is um, from the who 
the Godfathers and and uh, Massive Attack, and um, Brick Smith from the Fall uh, has an, has a uh, um, cameo in there, and it's it's good, it's political, and it's funny, and it's out there, and it's rock and roll. So, the Age of Reason. It's coming in August. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Murray. Keep nice well. one. Lots of love. Thanks, Nathan. The phenomenal Murray Lachlan Young there. Get him on Twitter at Murray L. Young. And if you'd like the full, unedited, uncut video of that conversation, then go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy for as little as £5 a month. You get access to all the exclusive audio video content we're putting up there and we're going to expand upon over the next couple of months. It really does help us to keep going at this time five pounds a month so that's probably 50p a podcast up to now but uh, yeah next week uh, are the last in these daily shows so we're going to do tuesday thursday and saturday next week and then we're going to be going back to weekly on friday so some specials during july and then reverting back to the normal psychomedy shows every friday from friday august the 7th so thanks so much for listening today Please listen back on all the daily shows, all the main shows. Please give us a five-star review. Spread the word. Psychomedy is produced by Mike Hansen at Pop People Productions. Check out psychomedy.co.uk. There are mental health tips from our counselling partner professionals at ThreadUp who are also offering free check-ins at this time. I'm Nathan Casty. Lots of love to you all. Stay healthy. Stay optimistic. Tune back in for more Psychomedy on Tuesday. Very, very, very special week in store next week. Pod people.